Welcome to the Microsoft Access Podcast, the most popular desktop database in the world, brought to you by accessusergroups.org. Here is your host, Access MVP Juan Soto. Welcome back to the Microsoft Access Podcast. This is your host, Juan Soto. I'm recording this shortly after Thanksgiving 2019, so I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. This episode, we're going to talk about five best practices with uh, setting up your Microsoft Access system. This is a great topic because it's going to allow you to uh, make sure your system is healthy, stable, and more reliable going forward if you follow these practices. Now, the first one I want to talk to you about is dividing your Access database into two files, a front-end and a back-end file. Where the front-end file has all your reports, code, queries, forms, and your back-end file only has your data tables. Now, why is this important? Well, it turns out that when you create an Access database the first time around, it only creates one file with everything in it. Because Microsoft Access was designed from the ground up to handle a very small amount of people, a party of one or two or three at the most. But given how powerful these solutions can be, people want to use it with more employees and across the network. And over the years, we've realized that it's best to have it divided into two files the front end and back end I talked to you about earlier. So if you're thinking about using the Access Database with uh, a few users, even two or three users, I recommend doing this first tip, which is to split it up. Now, it so happens that Microsoft makes this, Microsoft Access makes this very easy to do. And what you want to do is in 2016 or 2019, you want to go to the Database Tools menu. Once you click on that menu, you're going to see a Move Data subsection, and there's going to be Access Database, an icon that looks like two files and a uh, database symbol. You're going to click on that, and it's going to explain to you what the Split Database Wizard does, and just follow the simple steps. Now, the nice thing about this wizard is it allows you to not only split the database into two, but also link back those tables into your front-end file. So before you, uh, and you looked at your tables, you'll notice that the tables uh, don't have anything uh, special about them. They're located in that front-end file. But after the wizard, you're going to see little arrows next to each one, indicating these tables are linked. And in this case, they're linked back to your back-end file. So follow the wizard, and you'll soon end up with two files. You want to place the back-end file or the data file on the network if you have one. So that's accessible to every employee. Make sure that that employee and all employees using the system have rights, read and write privileges to the folder where you click that file. And then the uh, front end file should be a copy to every user's front end, every user's uh, desktop PC. So that's the optimal way of doing that setup. Make sure everyone has their own copy of the front end file. Why is that important? Well, if you all use the same front end file, right, uh, and I've come across this many times. Uh, with many clients where I uh, walk in and you're all using the same database file on the network. The problem, the number one issue with that is if one crashes, everybody crashes. And so, uh, you know, it's really inconvenient when you're using a database and all of a sudden you, it crashes on you and you don't know why. And then you come to realize it was somebody else on the network that crashed. So uh, by having your own copy of the front end, it minimizes that thing. I'm not going to say it doesn't crash anymore. But it does minimize the impact if somebody crashes or their PC gets rebooted or there's an issue with that. 
Now, if you can't find this database splitter wizard, there's a new feature in Access, uh, in Office in general. This says, tell me what you want to do. And there you can type in database splitter or split file, and it'll get you to that wizard easily. Love that feature. Tell me what you want to do. I use it all the time. All right, the second tip I like to give you is uh, you don't store any images in your database file. A lot of people love how convenient it is to put images in your database file. Um, these images could be, for example, um, designs, right, of, or products. So when you, if you're creating an order database and you want to give the person who's taking the order an idea of what the order uh, product looks like, you may want to say, pull up a product uh, table and on there there's a image of the actual product, which is pretty convenient, but Access has, does a terrible job of storing images. And so what you would rather do is you want to store those images on the network and link to those images instead. So you want to search on the web for a uh, strategy on linking to images uh, to Microsoft Access as opposed to saving them into your database. And why is this important? Well, it turns out the Access databases have a two gigabyte limit. And when you start storing images, you're going to quickly approach that. And as it approaches the two gigabyte limit, it becomes slower and slower until it becomes unusable. And so a lot of times we'll get calls in the office of people who just uh, can't use their database anymore. And we quickly realize it's because it's bloated with all these images that we have to extract in order to make it usable again. So unless you're storing just a few images, uh, you want to keep those images on a separate folder on the network. My next tip for your best practice is to make sure every table has a primary key. Now, Microsoft Access is very forgiving. It will allow you to create tables without primary keys, and you can use them in queries, you can edit data. But that's not uh, the optimal, right? We're talking about best practice. Best practice is to make sure every table has a primary key. I'll give you a good example. You should have, for example, if you have a customer table, you probably have a customer table, and the primary key should be the customer ID. Now, when it comes to primary keys, you want to make sure that they're numeric, not alphanumeric, a mix of numbers and letters, because that uh, slows down the database when it does uh, queries, for example, or linking between tables. And the ideal would be auto-increment uh, field. So we tend to almost always, 99% of the times, as experts, use auto-increment as our primary key in a database table. You can only have one auto-increment field per table, and we usually use it as a primary key. So, for example, if you have a customer table, the primary key should be the customer ID, and it should be an auto-increment field. If you have an order table, the primary key should be the order ID. If you have an order details table, primary key should be order details ID. Now, sometimes I come across clients who want to do more with the primary key. They want to know, for example, uh, several things when they look at it. I'll give you a great example. I've had a client once ask me to format their order ID so that the first four digits of the year, followed by the two-digit month, followed by the uh, two-digit day, followed by the three digits of the uh, number of order on that day. But for whatever reason, it was important for them to uh, get gain that information just by glancing at the order ID. Now, luckily, I was able to dissuade them from doing that because I told them, look, you know, you're looking at more programming, more costs to maintain it. 
Uh, we're better off with auto increment. That's where we guarantee that every order is unique. Uh, and uh, I was able to convince them to do otherwise. But you don't want to go down that road where the, or the, uh, the primary key means something. It should just be a numeric number that identifies each unique record. That's what the primary key is. All right, and then the uh, last, uh, last best practice I want to talk to you about is learning the basics of database normalization. Now, again, you can create an access solution that's not uh, optimal, ideally designed, and it'll work just fine. They won't work as fast as it should be, but it'll work just fine. Create that database by uh, splitting the tables logically. Now, let's go back to our customer order database. The customer table should be a separate table of only customer information fields, right? Customer name, customer address one, customer address two, customer city, customer state. Then you should have a uh, orders table where you have the master order information, right? What is the master order header? Well, the order header is... Uh, unique data fields that identify the order, such as the date of the order, the order ID, whether it's shipping uh, overnight or regular ground, uh, the total of the order, right, total dollars in the order. Fields that are unique to that order, not the actual products themselves, because that would go in the order details table, where the order details table have the product that was ordered or the service that was ordered, and the quantity, uh, the price per quantity, and finally, the extended price. And so when you think about uh, along those lines of a customer order header, order details table, that's a very simple way of thinking about database normalization. And so I always tell my students when I teach this class is, you know, you want to make sure you think about this example throughout your career as you're designing systems. Try to place them into that same analogy. What would be my customer table? What would be my order header table? What would my be order details? And I use that a lot. I still use that analogy a lot when I design systems to make sure that it's normalized. And that's what database normalization is. You want to avoid repeating um, fields over and over again. So, for example, if you only have the order order one, one table called orders that has both the order header and the order details, you're going to be repeating the order number over and over again in that table. And then you're going to repeat repeating the date of the order over and over again. So, right? so we want to split that up. So when you see there's repeats of fields, that's a good candidate for that field to be split up into its own table. All right, that's it for us. Very short podcast. I am going to uh, ask you to uh, listen to my prior episodes of podcasting. If you have any questions or suggestions for a few future episodes, please reach out to me and here's out. Thanks for listening. If you wish to comment, request a topic, or reach us, please visit accessusergroups.org contact. We welcome your tweet at jsoto22 or connect with Juan at linkedin.com slash in slash Juan Soto. We'd love to hear from you.